I've been having an affair. No, not with flesh and blood, not even sexually. My phone has captured my affections. We hold hands all the time. We love to chat and we light up in each other's presence. When we are together, we forget the world around us. We have eyes only for each other. After spending too much time, we both feel drained, and yet we keep coming back to each other. I feel lonely and lost without my phone. We see each other daily. My phone is so funny and so smart and so full of insights. We love to chat and gossip and discuss the latest news. But something has to change. My wife knows there's something else in my life. My kids know they are not my priority. And I know I have to make a choice. And so I've made a decision. Today, we are breaking up. Well, today is the last message in the hot button topics. Um, technology 2, dry words, screen time and social media. Screen time and social media, I mentioned it to several people as I was preparing. They're like, oh, I'm looking forward to that message. And inwardly, I was thinking, you don't want to be looking forward to that message. You do not want to be looking forward to that message. My name is Andreas Diamond. I'm one of the pastors and elders here. And uh, Gary is on vacation today, so I'm covering uh, the message. And we are going to be talking about screen time and social media. And the one word that keeps coming up when I talk to people and even comes up when I don't talk to people is the word distraction. I'm a little distracted. Before I jump into that, I'd like to remind you of the um, resource page that we have on the website for all the hot button topics. So if this is something that you want to follow up more, you want some resources, you want some help, we have compiled some. Wayne has put a lot of work into that to uh, make those available. So go to our website, big red button right at the front, click on that, and you'll have access to those resources. Distraction. Distraction is a word that keeps coming up, and so the goal for this morning is to urge us to distance the distraction, to distance the distraction of screens and social media for a purpose, in order to follow Jesus faithfully with all of our heart. And we just sang about that, standing with arms wide and hearts abandoned. That is our desire. And so we need to distance the distraction of screens and social media so that we can follow Jesus faithfully with all of our heart. A few disclaimers before we start. I'm making an assumption. I'm making an assumption that we actually want to follow Jesus faithfully. And I realize in a congregation this size, that may not be true for everyone. You may have not said, yep, I'm all in for Jesus, or you're not quite sure yet. And so I hope there's something in this message for you today, but the main focus is gonna be for those who want to follow Jesus faithfully. Uh, and that's what we're going to spend most of our time on. No phones during the sermon. Can I ask everybody just to switch their phone off, put it in your bag, out of sight, out of reach. I thought if we're talking about the distractions of screens, then it would just be appropriate to spend the next half an hour together without that distraction. I know some of you, you have your Bible on your device. I've got you covered. I have a screen here today, uh, and I will have all the verses up there if you need them. I know some of you take notes on your devices. Uh, we will be sending out an email with all the PowerPoints, so you'll actually get the full uh, transcript of that. I know it's gonna be difficult, but can we try? No phones for the next half hour. The preacher struggles with the screens. And no, this is not Gary's sermon that I'm preaching. He's uh, the one that struggles with this. I personally struggle with this. Um, 
what I started off with, my affair, uh, was actually uh, an excerpt from my journal that I wrote about a year and a half ago when I realized that I was struggling. Everybody else around me knew it already. That's usually how it works. People around you know it before you do. Uh, and I realized this is something that I had to work on. And it's something that I struggle to this day. I realized that one of the times I spend most time on my phone is in the evenings. And so one of the things I had to do was put limits on. So at 5.30 every evening, this phone will block all of my apps except for texting, phone, and time, and calculator. And so far, I haven't become addicted to calculators yet. Um, but I've put those things in place because I know that I find it difficult to control my time on my phone. But at the same time, just putting those limits in place is not going to take care of the issue, because we're going to see later the heart is really the issue. And so just putting those restrictions in place is not going to take care of the issue. My heart is deceitful above all things, and so I'm going to find a different way how I can have screen time or social media. The last point is not focusing on the positives. We're not going to focus on the positives this morning. How great is that? They always say focus on the positive, but if your screens and your social media use is helping you follow Jesus more faithfully, you don't need me to tell you that that is the case. You don't need me to tell you how to do that. What we do need this morning is to remember the threat that screens and social media can be. I'm not saying screens and social media are all bad, you have to throw it all out. What I am saying is we need to watch that distraction. A couple of definitions so that we're all on the same page. When I'm talking about screen time, I'm not talking about work and school. It's purely time spent on a device such as smartphone, TV, computer, or games console for leisure or entertainment. And smartphone use, video gaming, streaming platforms like Disney+, Netflix, Amazon Prime, web browsing, watching TV, all count as those. And then I added etc., etc., etc. Because if I did not list your thing on there, it still counts as screen time if you use it for leisure. So you're not going to get away that easily. The dry definition for social media is websites and applications that enable users to create and share content or to participate in social networking. What it means is wherever you share stuff, create stuff, comment on stuff, interact about stuff, that is social media. And you've heard most of these already. Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Pinterest, WhatsApp, Tumblr, Reddit, etc., etc., etc. So distraction is the big word. Keeps coming up when I talk to people, what's the biggest struggle? Oh, distraction. Even when it doesn't come up, when we're not talking about, I hear people, oh, I'm so distracted, or uh, distraction comes up over and over again. And here's why I think it's such a big deal. I saw this definition, there's an abbreviated definition from Bruce Leafblad on worship. It's when our mind's attention and our heart's affections are centered on God. Mind's attention centered on God, heart's affection centered on God. And that sounds very similar to something Jesus said when he was asked about the greatest commandment. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. There is focus there, and that's why distraction is such a big deal. If this is truly the greatest commandment, if Jesus said this is the one thing that you need to pay attention to, then being distracted from that one thing should really be a concern to us. There's two main areas that I'd like to look at this morning, how we are distracted. We're going to do that in the first part, and then we're going to look at the Bible and how the Bible can help us navigate this uh, area of screen time and social media. Time is the first area, and content is the second one. I'd like to do a little informal survey. If you use screens on a regular basis, daily basis or almost daily basis, 
with the definition that we use. So for entertainment, you use your smartphone, you watch TV, you play video games, you browse the web for entertainment or for leisure. Would you please stand up? And this is not to put anyone on the spot. If you use them, please stand up. I know for some people, they don't use screens much. This is not actually an issue. But if it is for you, I'd like you to stand. And now, if you find yourselves occasionally or regularly or frequently using screens more than you should, would you stay standing? Everybody else can sit down. In the first service, we had somebody who sat down at this point, um, and that person is blind. I'd love to chat with him afterwards and see how this, how this plays out in his life, but everybody can sit down again. I, I was expecting a similar result. I wasn't expecting it that overwhelming. Pretty much everybody that stood up and said, I use screens for leisure, also said I use them too much. And realized we didn't even say, I didn't say what the definition is. I didn't say, do you use it more than one hour or more than three hours? I just said, do you use it more than you should? And you admitted yourself, Yes, I do. I know that in my own life. I know that in the life of the people around me. And we can see that it is a reality for most of us. So my question to you is, how much time do you spend on your screens? A year and a half ago, I did that. I looked at my phone, which is off right now, but I can go onto settings. I can go to screen time, and it'll tell me exactly how much time I spend today, how much time I spent this week. It'll actually break it down into the apps, which apps I use, and how much I've used those apps. So there's one of the reasons I've asked you not to use your phones in the sermon, because now you'd be checking your screen time and you wouldn't be listening to me. But do that this afternoon. I think you need to know how much time you are spending on screens. And once you've picked yourself up off the floor, like I did a year and a half ago, and realized how much time you're spending on screens, then you can start thinking about, what do I need to do about this? You need to know how much time you're spending on screen. And remember, if you look at screen time on here, that's going to shock you but that does not include your TV and your laptop and your gaming console and all those things. Those are in addition to what your phone is telling you. We need to know how much time we're actually spending on these things. The second area is content. And the reason I've picked these two is they, they're very closely connected. The more time we spend with something, the more significant that content is going to impact us. So if I see something briefly and then walk away, that may or may not impact me. But if I see it over and over and over again, if I spend lots of time there, it's going to have a bigger impact on me. The more frequently something is repeated, the more easy it is remembered. Everybody knows that when you're memorizing something, whether it's the capital cities of the world or the flags of, uh, of the world, uh, the more you repeat it, over time you're going to remember them better. But a study in 1977 showed it's not just that we remember things better when they're repeated, we actually start believing them more. We actually believe that they are true when they're repeated more frequently. So what they did was they gave uh, candidates 20 statements on a piece of paper, and they said, we'd like you to guess if this is true or not. They, the candidates had no idea about those statements. They just had to guess true or not. They repeated that several weeks later, but now they reused some of those statements, and they added some new statements. And then several weeks later, they did the same thing again, reused some of the statements, and got some new statements. And what they discovered was that the statements that people were exposed to several times were rated higher probability that they were true than the statements that were new. So what they concluded is the more often we hear a message, not just the easier we remember it, but the more we actually start believing it's true. And now think of the implications of that on your use of screen time, on my use of screen time, and social media. The more we're exposed to certain messages, the more we see a Hollywood movie of, this is what the perfect life looks like, this is what uh, the ideal career looks like, the more we are aware of that, 
And maybe the more we actually believe that is true, that is what I need in my life, that is what my life should look like, that is what ideal is. Now we might say, well, we know that those movies are not true and it's just actors playing stuff and we can, we can rationalize that. But I'd like to explain it with this. Um, some of you might know I grew up in Germany. Uh, I grew up in Germany in the 90s. That tells you how old I am or how young I am, depending on how old you are, how young you are. Uh, I grew up in Germany in the 90s and every child received a free warm lunch at school every day. Mums, can you imagine never having to make a packed lunch for your kid when they go to school? My mom can probably count on one hand how many packed lunch she has made uh, for her kids in her lifetime. We would go to school, we would have school, the lunch bell would go, we'd go to the cafeteria, pile food on our plates and walk away with a free, warm, healthy or not so healthy meal. The only trouble with that is the above statement is not true. I just made all of that up. Now you might ask, well, why did I do that? Really, if I told you that statement, I said it's not true, we should just move on and everything would be fine. But the brains don't work that way. And so I gave you that information and then I told you the above statement is not true, which neutralized itself. But could it be that two weeks from now or two months from now, or maybe two years from now, you read a news headline saying, German education system, or you hear about a bill in parliament where they're discussing a free lunch program of some sort, and you're like, I, I read something once, didn't I, didn't I hear in a sermon? I, I think in Germany, all the kids got free lunches in the 90s. And it would be true, you did hear that, and you did read that. What you might have forgotten at that point is that I told you the statement is not true, and so your mind has stored that as a piece of information. Just because I told you it's not true, you didn't just delete that record, and now you move on. It's in your mind, and you may recall it was true, or you may not recall that it was true. Again, what are the implications when we spend hours after hours watching movies, playing video games of fake worlds, scrolling through a news feed where we get information from millions of people that we don't know, we don't know if they're telling the truth or not, but we're getting this message, this is what your ideal body looks like. This is what the perfect vacation is. Here's a gadget that has changed my life and you need that as well. And so the time spent with those messages and the repetition of getting those messages is going to affect the way we see the world and what we over time believe to be true or good or right. That's actually how culture works. Culture people start saying something and the more it's repeated, the more people are like, oh yeah, that's, that's probably good and that's probably right. And so culture moves in directions and then it moves in a different direction because whatever it's hearing and whatever is repeated over and over again is what we actually start to take for the truth. Here's a picture, expectation versus reality. And we can look at loads of those pictures and we can uh, smile about them. I love that. But the reality is some of you have actually lived through this. Here's the expectation of what you thought it was going to be like to have a family, to have a young baby. And what you don't see on the Instagram feed, what you don't see on the Facebook feed, what you don't necessarily see in the Hollywood movies, unless it's extremely exaggerated, is the pain of childbirth, the sleepless nights, the hours of crying, and you don't know what is the reason that this baby is crying. And in, in our minds, we kind of know it, but have we been fed the expectation, this is what a good family looks like. This is what a young, healthy family looks like. And when we actually see reality, we're disappointed, we're disillusioned, we're angry, we feel like a failure, we feel guilty. And that's not true with families, that's true with body image, that's true with what we need to have, what an ideal career looks like. Could it be that the messages we're receiving over and over and over again are actually shaping our worldview and what we think is good and helpful and healthy? 
I've been using screen time and social media almost interchangeably. I've been using them together. I'd just like to take a couple of moments to talk about the addictive nature of social media in particular. So I'm done with putting statements on there and then saying later on that's, that's not true. So uh, every slide that comes now, you can, uh, you can actually trust. Uh, and I would say social media is not designed with your long-term happiness in mind. Are you aware of that? Is that something that you actually believe? And we can argue, we can argue about that. I'm convinced that social media is not designed with your long-term happiness in mind. And the reason for that is the companies behind the social media are actually multi-billion dollar corporations that are working in a competitive environment trying to get our attention. So you have Facebook going against YouTube, going against TikTok, going against Netflix, all trying to get our attention because the more people that use their platform and the more time people spend on their platform, the more revenue they can make. And the bottom line that they want is to make a profit. I looked at the numbers for Facebook the last year, $117 billion in revenue, almost $40 billion in profit. And most of that from ads because they have close to 3 billion users that are going back to Facebook day after day after day and are making it possible to make that money. How do some of these addictive things look and work? Bing, 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 notifications. Did I miss something? What's new? Am I needed? Is there an emergency? Is somebody trying to get a hold of me? What if I'm not available? Notifications feed our FOMO, our fear of missing out. And so we need to know if something's going on. I feel, I'm, I'm sure some of you feel a little uncomfortable right now because you're not sure if somebody's been trying to contact you and you need to respond. I'm feeling pretty uncomfortable right now. My phone has been off since the beginning of the first service and I'm not sure what's going on in the world out there because I'm not getting those notifications. Algorithms, fancy word for code that's in the background. The code is trying to learn what you like and then give you more of what you like. If you like cat videos, you watch a cat video, it's like, oh, that was so good. Oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. And so it just keeps going and keeps going. It's feeding you what you want to see to keep you there. It's designed to keep you on longer and have you come back more frequently. It uses social rewards and conflicts, likes and comments. Has anybody liked my post yet? Why did they not like it? What do I need to do differently so that more people will like it? What do I need to comment so that people will like it? Why did that person comment that? It causes conflict and it causes um, questioning, we want approval from other people. We want to see that other people liked it, that they approve of us. Slot machine effect. You know the slot machine effect? You're sitting on your phone, 11.30 at night, should have been in bed a long time. You've read through the entire Facebook two times, and yet you're still pulling down that screen to try and refresh, hoping that maybe something new is posted, or maybe something different, or maybe something interesting is going to come up. That is like a slot machine and it's designed that way to keep us interested in what's new, what am I missing out on, what's, uh, what have I not seen yet. They use lots of visuals. You won't see a three-page essay on certain stuff on Facebook. It just, it won't get the likes, it won't get the clicks. You've got pictures, videos, captions, short things that can keep your attention and then move on to the next. Endless scrolls and autoplay. Did you notice if you Google something, you have to click onto the next page. You've, you looked at the search results, you click on page two. Your search results, click on page three. Facebook, Instagram, you just keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. There is no natural ending point that you could say, okay, that's enough, or one more page and then I'm done. It just keeps going. Netflix, YouTube, autoplay. It just keeps going over and over unless you do something about it. And then they gamify interactions. So Snapchat, I don't have Snapchat, but apparently they have streaks. So you chat with somebody and then you build up your streak and you're at 152. 
and you have to chat with that person the next day, otherwise you start over at zero. And so you're gonna chat with that person the next day and the next and the next because you've got your street going. And it's all just little things to keep us coming back and to keep us staying there longer and longer. And I didn't even get into the details of what it's doing to our brain, the dopamine releases uh, that are very similar to other um, addictions with actual drugs involved. My question is, if this is going on, or even if it's just something similar to this going on, the companies are trying to get people to use their product so that they can make a profit. Who are we, mere mortals, sinful human beings who struggle to get out of bed in the morning without hitting snooze three times, that we think we can go in and use the platform for the benefits, which there are, and then switch it off and walk away and never waste a minute on it? Do we actually think we can engage with it only in the healthy ways, or, as most of you said at the beginning of the service, are we pulled in to that machinery of trying to make us addicted? So distractions, what are the implications? First one, I've mentioned it already, we waste a lot of time. The second one, and more serious related to it, is our mind's attention is misoriented. We are getting a skewed worldview of what we think is good and right and healthy based on Hollywood, based on video game scenarios, based on social media, what other people are saying, people that we don't even know, maybe people that we wouldn't even like if we actually knew them, and yet they are feeding our mind and our worldview, and our heart's affections are misplaced. Our desire for stuff and for self is growing rather than the desire for Jesus and for the gospel. So that brings us to this question, what does the Bible say? Interesting, several people, as I was telling them I'm preparing for this message, said, so what, what passage do you actually choose? What does the Bible say about social media? And I don't think the question should be, what does the Bible say about social media? Because the reality is not very much. We could talk about the tablets that uh, Moses had in the wilderness. We could talk about the followers that John the Baptist had. But the Bible doesn't say anything about social media because the Bible was finished before social media came on the scene. And so I think the better question is, what does the Bible say, period? What does the Bible say to me, about me, about God, about our world, and then how does that inform me about how I should live, how I should live with my family, how I should live at work, how I should live with screens and social media. What does the Bible say, and then what does that tell me about how I should navigate those things? It's gonna be a similar message to Gary's last week. We're not going on one specific passage. My goal is to overwhelm you with the amount of passages that can inform us on screen time and social media, and we're gonna fly over some of them really quickly, uh, like I said, we're gonna send out this, the uh, PowerPoint slides afterwards so you can go back and look over them. And I would encourage you to do that because we need to get our worldview from the truth that the Bible offers rather than from our screens. One of the other elders I was talking with, he said, the older I get, the more I realize that we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a warfare and I feel the need to start every single day with my commander in chief, getting my marching orders for the day so that I won't get distracted. And even then, sometimes I still struggle and get distracted along the way, but I go back every day, I check with my commander in chief, and I get my marching orders for the day. So what does the Bible say about distraction? Romans 12, one and two, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, 
his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Gary used that passage for the very first message of the Hot Button Topic series when he talked about the biblical foundation. And I would encourage you to go back and to listen to that message, thinking screens and social media, because it is really very helpful. Is our life a living sacrifice pleasing to God? If we had to sit down and write on a piece of paper, what would a life of sacrifice pleasing to God look like? Would we say, wake up in the morning, make coffee, get distracted for 45 minutes on Facebook while I'm waiting for my coffee to brew, um, spend my evening sitting on my couch scrolling through Facebook looking for something new? Is that, is that what we would say if we would have to think about it? Or have we got caught up in what everybody else around us is doing, what all of us are doing, and have we not actually taken the time to think about it? Are our lives living sacrifices pleasing to God? Have we slowly and subconsciously started to conform to the pattern of this world? Everybody has Netflix. Uh, yeah, I binge watch a little bit too much, but who doesn't? Yeah, Facebook, it's, I don't think it's the best for me, but I'm not gonna go off. I mean, everybody else has it and then I'm not connected. Have we slowly become conformed to the pattern of this world? How many of you have said, even just in the last month, I'm trying to figure out what God's will is for my life. I've asked several people, uh, what are your plans for the summer? What are you gonna be doing in September? And I've heard several times like, I'm not sure yet, I'm trying to find out God's will for my life. And I didn't say it, but I might start in the future. Um, how do you think you're going to find out God's will? What do you think is the best way for you to figure out what God's will for your life is? Facebook or Netflix or Instagram or renewing our minds with the truth of God, listening to what God actually has to say. Jesus told a parable of a sower who was sowing seeds. Jesus said, the seed is the word of God and the soil or the ground that it lands on is human hearts. And he talks about seed that lands on the path and birds come and pick it, seed that lands on the rocky place and it doesn't have deep roots and so it withers up and dries. And then he says, others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And so this is true whether it's screens or not screens that, that is our struggle has the word been choked in our lives? Have we become, wor have the wor worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the promises of this is what your life should look like, this is the career that you should be having, the desire for other things, here's what you're missing in your life, here's what a perfect family looks like, here's what a perfect body looks like. Have those things distracted us and choked the word of God in us and made it unfruitful? In what ways is your screen time and your social media helping you to remove the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things? Jesus was going along with his disciples. They were traveling along. He entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, and she might have been off going to make her food already. And he said, Martha, I'm talking to you, listen to me. That's why I just say Martha twice. You're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. 
Notice, first of all, Martha is not distracted by evil or bad stuff. Okay, she is hosting her savior. She is hosting Jesus. She's trying to serve him well. She's trying to be hospitable. And yet it says she was distracted with all those preparations. She didn't realize that the thing at that time was actually to spend time with Jesus. Jesus was coming to visit her and she had an opportunity to sit at his feet and to hear from him. What's distracting us? What is worrying or bothering us? And it doesn't necessarily have to be bad things. It might not even be using screens for bad things, but have we been distracted from sitting at the feet of Jesus? Some of us may have never actually sat at the feet of Jesus, or it's been so long that we can't even remember what that looks like or what that does for our souls. You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Has your use of screen times and social media helped or hindered you in sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to his word. And I'm not asking in theory. I know on the phones, we've got a Bible app on the phone and we've got a devotional app on the phone and there's so many things that we could use our phone for good. But do we actually, if we look at our screen time, how much of our phones is actually using those things that could help us and how much of it is hindering and distracting us? The Bible says things about time. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Are you walking in the good works God has prepared for you? Do you even know what the good works are? And if not, how are we going to find out what those good works are? Making the most of every opportunity. If I think of myself sitting on my couch in the evening, aimlessly scrolling through YouTube, looking for the next documentary, is that my definition of making the most of every opportunity? Screens and social media feed the self. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Is that what we're being encouraged to? Is that what we're being challenged to on our screens? It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He died so that they who live might not, no longer live for themselves, but for him. How are your screens and your social media use helping you not to live for yourself, but for Jesus? Relationships, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. This is one of my struggles, knowledge. I love to read, I love to know what's going on in the news, I love to watch documentaries to understand stuff, but how is feeding my mind with all that information helping me to love? It's feeding my mind, it's not actually helping me to practically love. They love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. There's your Facebook, there's your social media, Instagram verse. Do we love the approval of our friends, of our family members more than we love the approval of God? Love one another deeply from the heart. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies, quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant frictions. Have you ever caught yourself saying, I just had to get out of that chat room. I just had to get off that platform. I just had to get away from that discussion because it was making me so angry. It was not healthy for me. And yet we keep saying that over and over again, and then we go to something else and say, that's making me angry. We go to something else and say, that's not good for me. At what point do we say, maybe this whole thing is not actually healthy and good for me? Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What can we do to help us be slower to become angry? So there's a whirlwind. Like I said, if I've overwhelmed you with all those verses, like, whoa, where did that all come from? We're gonna send out the slides, take some time to go over that, review it, and meditate on it. The question, the practical application is, so what do I need to do? Andreas, are you really asking me to get rid of all my screens and get rid of all of social media? No, nope, that's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is that we as a society 
and specifically us as Christians have been distracted from following Jesus faithfully largely through our screens and our social media. And so I think we need to do something about it. I'm not going to tell you what you need to do about it, just like I don't think you can tell me what I need to do about it, but I think we need to do something about this. Everybody was standing up and said, I've been using my screen too much. And so everybody needs to be thinking, what is it that I need to do? I told you before, I have some restrictions. I have uh, restrictions on my phone. My internet goes off at nine o'clock in the evening. Uh, and so you wouldn't believe how hard it is to go to bed late when you don't have a phone and you don't have internet to keep you up all night. It's really difficult, and so I end up going to bed earlier, or I end up reading a book on the couch. Do I do that all the time? Have I gotten around that? Absolutely, because supporting the weak flesh and putting restrictions in place is only half the picture. The other half is we need to reorient a deceitful heart, because my heart is deceitful above all things, and I will find ways. If my phone is blocked, I'll go to my computer. If my computer is blocked, I might use my wife's phone when she's not looking. I can find ways of getting around restrictions, but I need those restrictions to help my deceitful heart and then I need to reorient the deceitful heart. So what do we do? These are not things, 10 things that everybody has to do today, but they're a list of things that have helped others and that you might have to consider one or two or more of these things to do in your own life. Know your screen time. If you don't know how much time you're using on the screen, I'm pretty sure you're using too much time. Switch off notifications. Do you have to have a notification for everything? Keep notifications on for important stuff. Put notifications off for other things. Remove addictive apps. I have never been sucked into the autoplay function on Netflix, never once. I have with Disney Plus, I have with Amazon Prime, I have with YouTube, never with Netflix. Why? Because I've never had Netflix. And so it's never been a struggle for me. That simple fact means if I get rid of something, it will no longer be a struggle for me. Maybe that's what you need to do. Leave your phone at home at times. Did you know in Canada it is totally legal to leave your phone at home alone? You should try it sometime. Charge your phone in the basement so you don't walk past it every two or three minutes and have to go back and check, is there something new? Keep it out of sight, out of reach. Keep the phone out of the bedroom. And I'm not just talking the husband-wife bedroom, although I do recommend that. Anybody, keep your phone outside the room, put it to sleep before you go to bed, sleep in the room without it. I don't know how many times I've heard from people, it's like, oh, I just struggle, I struggle falling asleep. I struggle sleeping. I wake up at night, I can't fall back asleep. And then in the next sentence or sentences down, it's like, and then I got sucked into Facebook. If your phone is not in your bedroom, you're not going to get sucked into Facebook accidentally if you can't fall asleep. No phones at mealtimes. Set limits and filters on your phone and Wi-Fi router. Ask someone for help to keep you accountable. The worst excuse in this case is to say, I just didn't know my phone could do that. I don't know how to set up a filter. I don't know how to set up screen time passwords. Ask someone. If you don't know how to do it, ask somebody. We need to be helping each other in this. Practical tips for parents. I was asked, so what, what do you tell parents? And the first thing I would tell parents is this is really difficult. TikTok was invented in 2016, which means we only have six years of experience with TikTok as a society. There is no parent who says, well, here's what I did with TikTok with my kids and it worked for me and you should try the same thing. We are learning this as we go and we're going to be continuing to learn it as new things come up. But what I would say is you need to be a good example. And I put a little smiley there because I realize how difficult that is and how difficult that can be. But we can't be telling our kids, you cannot do this or this is not good for you. And they're watching day in and day out exactly what we are doing. Don't feel pressure to give your kids access to everything they want. 
the great excuse is, well, everybody else in my class has that. And then when you dig a little deeper, it's like, well, not everybody, but almost everybody. Not everybody has it. And even if everybody did have it, does that mean it's a good idea? And I realize this is a real tension because you don't want your kids to be missing out. You don't want them to be uh, isolated. And yet you need to be setting the direction. Set up screen time limits and content filters. Just like you wouldn't let your little kid play with a knife or play with fire, why do we give our kids access to the internet with no filters, without checking anything on there, and we set them up for failure right from the beginning? Monitor screen time, browsing, watch chat history, access to the phone. We have to sign parental consent forms for everything. They're going to the park across the road from the school. We need to sign a parental consent form. This is your parental consent form that you are okay with what they are doing with their device and what they're doing online. Talk to them, and I put talk in bold there, that actually means verbally speak, communicate with them face-to-face. Uh, -face. Talk to them about the dangers of internet and social media. You need to be having that conversation with them. Talk to other parents to learn from them. Use resources available on our website. Like I said, we have resources available there. There's plenty other there. Uh, Axis is a great tool to help you understand what's going on in today's uh, youth culture. It will help you learn as a parent, and it'll also help you have conversations with your uh, kids and teenagers. And the last thing is take responsibility. Uh, here's a question. If you don't do this, who is going to? I'm pretty sure Facebook and YouTube are not going to do it. I'm not sure your school is gonna do a really good job of it. You are responsible for your kids. You need to take responsibility in this area. And some of you, you have to go a step further than just distancing the distraction. You actually have to avoid the addiction and you need to admit that it is an addiction and then you need to completely remove it, whatever that looks like for you. Remove the addictive apps or account subscriptions. Swap your smartphone for a flip phone if that's what it takes. You might have to get rid of the computer, TV or game console. And the way you know if this is actually you is the harder it is for you to even consider these options, the more likely it is that you might need one of those. Take a one month media or screen fast. I put a month there. If you can't manage a month, you're like, oh, doing that for an hour is gonna be difficult enough for me. Then start with an hour, maybe start with a day. But like I said, if, it's, if it scares us to think about one month without screens or media or certain apps, could it be that maybe, possibly, there's a little bit of an addiction there? which is code word for I'm addicted, I just don't want to admit it. And then I said before, we can put all those restrictions and all those limits in place, but it really comes back to reorient, reorienting our heart to God. We're going to be taking communion in a moment, and one of the things that really encourages me is that Jesus knew that we would be distracted. Jesus knew that our hearts and our minds would get off track and be distracted to other things. And the way I know that is because he is the one who told the parable of the soils. And he is the one who said that the soil fell in the ground, but there were thorns there and the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things choked the word. He knew that things would come that would get us off track, that would get us off distracted. And I believe that is part of the reason, maybe the main reason why he implemented communion. He said, you need to remember me. You're going to be distracted. You're going to forget. You're going to go off track. Remember me. And I'm giving you something. I'm giving you a way to remember me regularly and to remember me together so that you don't feel alone in this, so that you don't have to stay distracted. You can come back to me. And so the invitation is there. This is not us trying to, to do this. The invitation is there. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary 
and heavy laden. And so one thing we need to do is we need to respond to that. And maybe for us, it's as simple as setting up a morning or evening routine to meet with God regularly. We say we want to follow Jesus. And if we look at the time that we actually spend with him and in his word, it's almost negligible. Is that truly following Jesus faithfully? Maybe we need to schedule time to review all the scripture passages from today and meditate on them. If we don't schedule it, it's likely not going to happen by itself. We need to plan times of silence and solitude to seek God's will for your life. How many times have you caught yourself saying, wow, that was just a great time of silence and it just happened? The default is to be distracted, to be busy, to be even in good things with family, with friends, there's always something going on. We need to plan for those times of silence and solitude. Maybe we need to initiate regular face-to-face conversations with neighbors and friends, and not just to stay superficial, but with the goal of going deeper, to actually get to know them, to actually encourage them, to build each other up in those things. Maybe you need to set a goal of doing one chat a day. Start with a, a simple, doable goal. Maybe it's one chat a week. Jesus said, remember me. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And maybe uh, maybe you feel a little weary and burdened after that message. It's like, whoa, I came in here looking forward to a message on screen time and social media, and now I'm just overwhelmed and burdened, maybe a little bit guilty, maybe a little confused. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. The invitation is there. And we're gonna take just a couple of minutes now to be still and to remember him. And then I would urge you to go over those notes again when we send them out and to see, God, where do I need to make some adjustments in my life? Where have I become distracted? Where have I let other things, specifically screens and social media, maybe it's other things for you, get in the way and choke out the word in my life? Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and that he paid the price so that we can even be here today and we can approach you, we can call you Father and we can come back into your presence. Father, we confess that we have been conforming to the world in different areas in our lives. We confess that we have let the worries of this world and we have let the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things distract us. We have been distracted with many things and we have neglected to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to his word. And so Father, right now, I thank you that you call us back to yourself regardless. Thank you that there is forgiveness. Thank you that we don't need to dwell on our failure, but we can come back into your presence and our heart's desire is to follow Jesus faithfully. Every journey starts with the first step. And so what is your first step? Maybe this afternoon it's putting your phone away for a little bit. Maybe it's getting rid of that first thing. Maybe for you, it's just trying to use it less, knowing how much you're using it and trying to use it less. Whatever your first step is, don't wait. Father, you see our desire to follow Jesus faithfully and you also see our weakness and how easily we get distracted. Father, would you help us as we earnestly desire to follow Would you guide us? Would you give us the strength that we need? Would you help us to encourage each other and to walk this journey together? And Father, would you speak to each one of us individually to uh, show us what it is in our lives that we need to adjust, where we need to refocus our attention back to you? 
Father, thank you that you have called us to yourself. Thank you that you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that. We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week at 10 o'clock.